But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Today is Communion Sunday, a day where we as the body of Christ would normally assemble together to participate in this most important ritual of the Christian church. It is a time where we pause to reflect on the sacrifice that our Lord Jesus Christ made on each of our behalves, and we are reminded that we are to do this often, and as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of Him. But today we find ourselves separate and apart from each other, forced into self imposed isolation as a result of this coronavirus pandemic, and because we are apart and separate from each other, it forces us to now reflect on what it used to be like when we were all together. When we were together, we could embrace each other. When we were together, we would share smiles with each other. When we were together, we could pray with and for each other. And while the saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder, is painfully true, our absence from each other has also opened up our eyes to the reality that very, very sadly, we had taken each other for granted. We, who are supposed to be a caring and loving community, have sometimes been anything but caring and loving. And so today, on this Communion Sunday, I thought I would spend some time talking about unity in the context of our various relationships within the Christian church. And thus, I have titled this message quite simply, The One Body of Christ. The One Body of Christ. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come to the preaching hour. Spirit of the living God, now invest your spirit now in this lump of clay. And as you hide me behind your sacred desk, let it be, Lord, that the words that I speak penetrate the heart that needs to know that you are still God and that you are still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to your power that works in each and every one of our lives. Thank you, Father, for this ministry, this Allen Temple AME Church, and for all the members all across the world, whether they're in Singapore or London, whether they're in Jamaica or Guatemala, whether they're in France or Haiti, wherever they find themselves today, we pray, O oh Lord, that this message penetrates their heart and they draw closer to you as you draw closer to them. We thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' holy name, and we all together say amen. So what exactly does it mean to be one body? What does unity in the church really look like? Well, I know that most of us are very familiar with the metaphor that the Apostle Paul uses in the text in 1 Corinthians. And most of us intuitively see the common sense way that the metaphor works 
in the experience that we have with our own bodies. But despite the fact that when one part of the body hurts and it seems like the entire body is hurting, it does not change the fact that the one part of the body, the one part of the body that is really hurting is the part that that alone is the cause of all of our problems. What do I mean? If my pinky toe is causing me pain, it is my pinky toe and my pinky toe alone that is the cause of the problem. And while I can appreciate that my entire body is discomforted and that I am in a place where I may be in immense pain, it, the fact still remains that it, the reason why I'm in pain is because of my pinky toe. The pinky toe is the problem. Now, I have a choice to make. If my pinky toe is the problem and it offends me, then I have scriptural support and evidence to back me up in cutting it off. Sure, it would be painful for a while, but eventually the pain would stop and my body would be relieved. If my tooth is aching and it's causing me tremendous pain and distress, it is very appropriate for me to have that tooth extracted, which would then cause me to return to the peace I need in my whole body. But if you know life the way that I know life, pain or trouble does not usually stop right there. So invariably, after I may have cut off my pinky toe, or invariably, if I may have extracted my tooth, sooner or later, my hand is going to start giving me problem, or my foot, or some other body part is going to start to act up in a way that's going to require me to use some kind of met method to remove the offensive body part. Now, this may keep on going for a while till I get to the point where my head starts to hurt. And the question becomes, what am I going to do then? Surely, you can't cut off your head because then you will, of course, die. And so it stands to reason that while I might be able to get away with cutting off my pinky toe, or while I, I might get away with cutting off my hand or extracting my tooth, the reality is I cannot get away with taking off my head. Now, I use this illustration to demonstrate what Paul is referring to in verse 15. He says, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. In other words, just because you say the foot is not a part of the body, or the tooth, or the hand, or a member, or a steward, or a trustee, or an usher is not a part of the body, does not mean that they are not. And taking steps to remove them does not change the fact that doing this over and over again as a solution every time you think they are out of order or are causing you some measure of pain does not mean that they are not useful to the body. As a matter of fact, Paul says, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable on these we bestow more abundant honor. So each member or each congregant in our church has value 
even if the member we deem is less honorable for whatever reason we come up in our minds, according to the Apostle Paul and according to God, every single member in the body of Christ, every single congregant, every single person in our church has value and they mean something to God. Are we still one body when you have something that I want and you refuse to give it? Are we still one body? Or are we still one body when you have a need that I can provide and I choose not to give it for selfish reasons? Are we one body? The point that I'm making, brothers and sisters, is that we don't have the luxury in the body of Christ to pick and choose who's in or who's out. We don't have the luxury in the body of Christ to say the finger, the pinky toe, the person who is serving in whatever capacity, whether we value that as important as not of or not, does not change the fact that if God placed them in the body, then they serve a purpose, whether we think it's valuable, important, or not. And so as we reflect on this thought, as we reflect on this, I want to take an even closer look at Paul's use of this metaphor of the body and see if we can glean some more truth, if we can get to the heart and the root of what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to understand, we who consider ourselves the body of Christ. Now, now we know that a hand, a foot, the fingers are often referred to as extremities, and each extremity serve a very specific and very unique purpose in making the human body whole. In our drive to understand Paul's use of the body metaphor, I want to liken these extremities to represent the congregation of our church. So the general congregation of our church, we're now going to use the body, the hand, and the feet to represent. All these extremities we're going to use to represent the congregation in our church. Now, from modern technology, we know that any extremity of the body, once amputated, can be replaced with something artificial. We know this to be called a prosthetic. A prosthetic is nothing more than an artificial limb. But just like we have an artificial leg or an artificial hand or a prosthetic, we can also have artificial members are congregants in our churches. What do I mean? These artificial congregants or, or, or prosthetic members are usually the ones that often talk a good game and they can quote almost any scriptures in the Bible and, 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 and they, even, they even come around and pose as if they are true believers. They come to church and they join committees and they are very involved in many areas of the church but somehow they never seem to quite fit in to the life and the fabric of the church. To be quite frank, they fit the mold and they look the part and they can do the work and they can get the job done, but they are only attached to the body, but they're really not connected to the body. In truth and in fact, they are part of us, but really nothing more than prosthetic members. So the extremities are one part of the body and whether real or prosthetic, they may help the body function, but the body may not be unified. In other words, they may not really be a part of the body and they are posing as members. Now beyond the extremities, there's another part 
of the body that Paul uses in this metaphor that we need to look at. And this other part of the body is what we now call the vital organs. The vital organs are the parts of the body that you and I do not see like we see the members and the extremities. I'm talking about body parts like the heart and the lungs, the liver, and even the brain. These are the behind-the-scene players that are necessary to ensure that the hand and the feet and all the visible members function in a capacity that is aligned with their purpose. Now, as we did before with the extremities, let's liken these behind-the-scenes players of the body to be the clergy. That is all ordained leadership within the church. They keep the members on task and focus. Again, as you and I know from modern te medical technology, we can also have a medical device that's artificial that can serve to function as a heart or as a lung or other vital organs. These devices can make the body work for a while, but it's usually only a matter of time before they give out and eventually fail. You see, the artificial heart or pacemaker will try to fool you into thinking that they are really heart connected to the ministry. And, and, and it's only the genuine thing that can really sustain you and I. Now, now, now I want to make sure I'm clear. These artificial hearts or pacemakers beat like the real thing. And if you are not careful, they can deceive you into thinking that they are authentic. They beat good, but they have no real credential for the office. These pacemakers, they, they, they are very title heavy. And, and, and they use terms like apostle doctor. I don't know what an apostle doctor is, but they use terms like reverend bishop. I don't know what a reverend bishop is. They use terms like bishop doctor or chief. I don't know what some of these terms are. They make them all up, but the truth of the matter is that their credentials have never really been earned because they have not carefully studied to show themselves approved unto God. Work men or women that are not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what I'm trying to tell you is that when you talk about the body, and as Paul Paul uses the body metaphor. I want you to understand that you can have imposters, pacemakers that run around wearing fancy robes, but really are nothing more than artificial devices trying to convince you that they can keep the body alive and together. So like the extremities, the vital organs are another part of the body. And whether real or artificial, they may help the body function in some ways, but the body may still not be unified. In other words, they may not really be a part of the body. But there is yet one more part of this analogy that Paul uses of the body that, 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 that I really want us to connect with. You see, while we know the extremities can function even artificially, while we know that the, the vital organs can function artificially, the book stops with this particular metaphor of the body. And it's the one part from which everything flows. And this part of the body, it cannot be duplicated or manufactured. This part of the body, it cannot be formulated in some lab or synthesized in a test tube. This part of the body, it cannot be re-engineered or even simulated. This final part 
of the metaphor that brings the entire body into focus, which it cannot live without, we know to be the blood. The blood. You can't duplicate it. You can't replicate it. You can't manufacture it. You can't synthesize it. You can't do anything because the blood, the blood is the part that God himself makes sure that no one can do anything with. You see, when you are inflicted with a wound or when either some kind of foreign agent invades the human body, our white blood cells have a way of rallying up and immediately attacking the area that is causing the pain or the problem. It's the blood. And, and, and while we can have things like false teeth or dentures and the body still functions, while, while we can have an artificial hand or a prosthetic and the body still functions, while we can have an artificial lung or ventilator and the body still functions, we, we can have an artificial heart or a pacemaker and the body still functions. Without the blood, the whole body dies. This is the one part of the body, the only part that makes the body one, the only part that unifies the body. It's the blood. It's the blood. And, and you see, you see, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand your whole life, your whole life, however you see your life, your whole life is in the blood. It is in the blood. Your help is in the blood. Your, your relief from pain is in the blood. Your salvation is in the blood. So when Paul says, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it, 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 it means that we're all unified in Christ by his blood. His blood. Not your blood, not my blood, but his blood. So when one of us hurts, all of us hurt. When one of us rejoices, all of us rejoices. Why? Because the one blood connects all of us in the family of faith. But it actually goes a little more beyond that. We have to get to the place where we realize that the one body of Christ, one body unified in Christ, requires that you and I, in the body, do things like restraining our tongues and, and watching what we say, and especially careful about what we say to unbelievers and those outside of the faith. We have to recognize as one body, that even when our leaders fall, that we have to be careful to conduct ourselves in such a manner that we do not give power or strength to the opposition or those that are against us. We also have to recognize that we are our brothers and our sisters keepers. If we are, in fact, one body unified in Christ. And, and we also need to know that being of one body in faith, that we share the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, and we are partakers of his most blessed body and blood through communion, which we will take today. So when we talk about being unified as the one body of Christ, my brothers and my sisters, what I'm talking about is being on one accord, being of the same mind, recognizing that there is no neither hand nor foot nor head. It's all one body, but it must be unified through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, my brothers and my sisters, despite your prosthetic, 
despite your artificial limb, despite your and my fickle nature, the unity of the one body of Christ does not come from you, but from the precious blood of Jesus Christ that has the power to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The power of unity can only be found in the blood of Jesus Christ. And the only question before you today is, are you a part of that body? Are you unified in him? And brothers and my sisters, wherever you are all over the world, if your answer is no, then today, today, you can receive the only blood transfusion that matters. And that can make you a part of the one body unified in Christ. If that sounds like you, then that's what this message has all been about. Being a part of the one body of Christ for which you are always welcome. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.